And we are live with episode number 17 of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson uh, at CK Tricky on Twitter. And, and I'm, I'm joined by yeah. our co host, Seth Law. Hey guys, and thanks for joining whenever you happen to join, right? At Seth Law on Twitter here. <laughs> um, and by the way, I uh, once again forgot to mute the video. So. That's why there was that weird pause there because I started hearing myself speak. Anyways, uh, so a couple things to kick off tonight. A couple few a few things to mention. Um, so next week, we're going to take a break. I am going to be in Brazil with uh, Chris Gates doing a talk at You Shot the Sheriff in Sao Paulo. I think that's how you say it. On uh, Weird Al, it's an AWS attack framework we built but the next week uh then so not next tuesday not this come upcoming tuesday but the tuesday after uh we'll be back to um have chris on at carnal onage on twitter and uh we're going to talk through just his story the weird owl framework so it's going to be a probably a longer one that night than just an hour um I don't know. We'll be making up for the previous week. Also, if you um, if you're looking for stickers, buttons, any kind of swag, send us your physical address or the PO box or whatever you want this stuff shipped to uh, to absoluteappsec at gmail.com. You can also send questions, topic suggestions, uh, what have you, to absoluteappsec at gmail.com. Uh, am I missing anything, Seth? Is that everything? Uh, yeah, I mean, just join the conversation, right? Um, if anybody wants to jump on Slack, let us know. Send us an email to you know absoluteappsec at gmail dot com, um, or you know jump on the Twitter chat. That's you know or not Twitter, yeah, tw Twitter DM or YouTube chat. We monitor all the channels as we're talking. Um, so you know, realistically, we you know we want to know what everybody's interested in, um, and you know we're always looking for more people to come on the show, right? Uh, we've got Chris coming on in a couple of weeks. We've got a few other guests lined up, but if you are interested and want to and have a specific project or topic that you want to talk about and you are interested in, reach out or we may reach out to you depending on you know, who we hear from and what we find interesting that's out there. So, um, but tonight, right? I, I mean, the last couple of days uh, we've, Everybody's been talking about e-fail, so that's probably the first thing that we want to cover tonight uh, is where that um, has come from, uh, what kind of the, the issues are that are around it. Right? Um, there's And there's been quite a bit of debate on how it was presented to the media, how the media has picked up on it, and also you know, the, the remediation, the recommendations that are given out to people and kind of the fatalistic attitude around uh, PGP and GPG now. But um, Ken, do you have a good idea of what eFail is and what is happening there? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so the general gist being, if you're able to sit somewhere, or meaning like if, you, if you're an attacker and you're on a mail server and you can inject some... Uh, Essentially, you, you have the ability to, to inject some HTML into an email before it's sent to the recipient. 
a PGP encrypted email and things like, or uh, clients like Thunderbird, um, I think was one of the ones mentioned, but there's a, a few big vendors listed and those client apps, essentially, if they see HTML, they'll render it as HTML. So if you were to put in something like, I, I think the, the, they showed a, using an image source tag. And then, so then you use that image source tag, embed that into the email. Uh, effectively, what'll happen is during the decryption of the, the email on the side of the recipient, if that recipient's using, like I said, uh, Thunderbird or something like that, that image source tag and the code that goes along, the HTML code that goes along with it will say, cool, um, we're going to send the contents of this email now that it's decrypted off to our server. That's kind of like the high level. Um, they showed like using CBC and. Yeah. Else. Yep. I, yeah. I mean, the initial is the HTML attack. I mean, it's, it's basically HTML injection, right? Or right. it almost has like an XSS, a, cross-site scripting style injection attack built into it, that it's waiting for the decryption engine. You know, you're automatically decrypting things in Thunderbird or iOS mail or Apple mail, right? Using GPG suite and it auto decrypts and then it sends a request off that happens to attach the message with it, right? Um, so, that, I mean, that, that injection attack is really taking advantage of the auto decryption function and then wrapping it in HTML injection, right? Um, right. So, like, yeah, I mean, maybe there shouldn't be an auto decrypt function, right? Or you should have HTML turned off in your in, in your secure email client. Um, yeah, that's that, what they recommend too. Yeah, but that's not necessarily like like that was the recommendation that was in there, but realistically, in the like the initial headlines around e-fail were not like, we're not, Hey, guess what? HTML, like there's, there's these components in your email client that may expose information. It was, Oh no, PGP is broken. Right. Yeah. That's how it was. And it was like, stay tuned. You know, this is going to be whew, something bad's coming. You know, it was publicized as if it was going to be like, just PGP is 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 broken. No coming back from it. Scrap it. That was literally like when I initially saw that. I don't remember who was tweeting this out, but that was on Twitter. That was what was circulating. Um, you know, and and of course, like to those of us that have been in the, the security industry for you know a while heck if you've been in the security industry for two years it doesn't fucking matter like you you've seen this before it's nothing you're like all right cool pgp's broken we'll see how this goes so yeah i mean it, realistically i was i was expecting some sort of padding oracle attack or something like that that you could manipulate some signatures it was moving through right uh, it, it felt very anticlimactic climactic whatever to me you know being in the industry because i was like i yeah you, like we've seen all of these really like intense you know encryption vulnerabilities that have gone on and this one was all right realistically pgp is still doing its thing as it was intended to do but the way that we're handling the messages is probably not secure or isn't secure is real is really what's happening um 
Yeah. And in their mitigations, you know, I posted the website on the, in the chat, right. And, you know, their mitigation mitigations include no decryption, email client, disable HTML rendering number two, you know, those two, and then number three patching um, real and those, the, the vendors of those clients, I'm sure will fix patches you know, as they move through. Right. And then update open PGB and SMIME standards, right. To, to handle these edge cases of where there are open brackets and things like that. Um, so, I, I mean, realistically, I, I don't think it's as big a deal, but now we've got this trust issue that we've introduced into the client base, right? Or into the the community at large that has to do with PGP and GPG. Um, right. And, and that's where I feel like the damage really is, uh, is, is not necessarily that, hey, we've got these tools that we use that, you know, have a flaw in how they were implemented, but we're now telling people, oh, guess what? What what you know? What somebody that is in the you know a C suite or something like that is going to take from this is PGP is not secure. We shouldn't be using it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe that's exactly what they'll they'll take away from it. I hope not, because um, it's hard enough to get. P- I mean, there were uh, I've seen attempts at getting to getting PGP inside of. Um, uh you know a um what is it a uh like an enterprise business corporate environment to get that implemented and uh doesn't work so well I, and i feel like that's why people tend to gravitate to smime which we we didn't even mention that smime's part of this like it doesn't matter it's the client that ultimately is the problem yeah yeah i, I mean pgp was the first one that they mentioned but smime does the same thing, right? It's, you know, it's all the packaging and the auto decryption that's going on and then HTML on top of that. I don't know if you follow Matthew D. Green on Twitter. I do. Um, But I did enjoy watching some of the... Because I am by no means an encryption expert, right? I'll... That's just... That's not my thing. I'm not an expert in it. I know enough to do my job. Maybe a little bit more, but not an expert and he's a legit expert. And uh, it was kind of funny, not funny, but more insightful. Some of the things that I I felt like I was seeing out of him um, primarily because he brought up a bigger point or I shouldn't say bigger point, but a a, a point that might've been missed, which was um, this was this kind of uncovered the like difficulty in sending out patches or, or yeah, sending out patches, patches, but also explaining to different vendors, you know, that there is an issue, right? Like, because, okay. So to, to make that, to give the concrete example that he talked about, and I'll try and find the, the thread and link to it, but effectively what he said was it's tough. You kind of have to go with the biggest vendors first, because those are going to be, that's going to be the largest user base. And the reason is the reason you're not telling everybody is because inevitably somebody's going to get the details of it and leak it. And they may, they, they may not leak it like, Hey, you know, here's the exact, you know, just like post it on Twitter or to whatever they might say to some friends of theirs and then their friends. And then, you know, and inevitably it gets leaked. So that becomes an issue because right, like everyone needs to patch 
and put out updates before the information sort of known if possible that's the that's the ideal situation for a vendor is that they are able to to update before anybody knows exactly how to exploit the flaw doesn't mean everybody will update but they have an update available and so the the problem is that end up, that ends up being the route that most people seem to to take which is let's let the big vendors know and then the other vendors will find out as we as we can get to them and typically they don't find out till too late and they're upset and yeah it's it's hard to 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 have a it's interesting to hear someone say that it's hard to basically put out the information that you need without that being leaked to attackers first yeah i was just cruising through his you know his history on twitter um because i do follow him but that is the interesting thing. He's talking about like TLS phones and the same thing that he's dealt with there, right? You deal with Apple, Google, Microsoft, you know, kind of the big players, everything's fine. Eventually you talk to some open source project and they do a blog post about it, right? right. About how they're fixing it or whatever. And it gets out without being able to get in front of it, right? Um, which is almost in violation, violation of, you know, the, you know, responsible disclosure or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, yeah, that's an, I mean, that's an interesting problem to have because of the, you know, the wide swath of clients that this one affects, right. Uh, it's easier when it's a single project, when it's a single, Hey, it, this is a Voln in, you know, iOS or whatever you you know, you only have to go to Apple, but when it is a standard like this, that is causing the problem, there's not really one single entity that you have to go to. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I can see that as being a you know a big problem, right? Yeah, because who, who do you actually trust when it comes to that? So, who do you? And then, and, and then he brings up a, the the point that uh, like there isn't a, a strong leadership uh, within the PGP community. Yeah. Right. So Zimmerman, right. You know, <laughs> but yeah, no, 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 you're right. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that's what, that's what Matthew Green is, is saying. You know, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't know, but that's what he's saying. So, which is an interesting, again, I, I really did enjoy reading uh, some of these and let me see if I can find that thread and post it. Cause I thought it was, you know, for somebody who's educated on the subject, uh, you know, that's where I'm going to get my information from. Yep. Wow. And there's a lot of these. It's like, it's like a 17 part tweet. That's why I'm having a hard. T- Let me go to like just one of these and see if I can get to the start of it. Oh, yeah. This is a. Da, da, da. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Found the start of it, it looks like, I think. Yes. Cool. All right. I'm going to put this in there. Okay. Now somebody's got the uh, beginning of the thread. Yeah. So it's like a 17. Hold on. I don't know. It's something like that. It's a pretty long thread, but it it basically walks through, you know, kind of step by step what um, effectively what his thoughts are on it all. So. Yeah. Now, that all being said, of like it not being as impactful as um, as maybe we thought it might be. Like the other thing is, 
is it in your <clears throat> okay because let me go the other way with this and say that like on twitter what i noticed were some big you know thought leaders or security industry well-known whatever like lots of twitter followers um saying like oh uh you know this is bullshit kind of it was like this bullshit being smart asses you know like oh all two people that use pgp are and you know gonna be screwed and while like i guess there's some truth to the fact that you know maybe there isn't there aren't as many people using pgp as i don't know whatever like <clears throat> the reality is there are still people using pgp that legitimately have a need to be protected right um especially because like we, we we i you know you live we live in america and uh there are certain concerns that we don't have we don't share with like someone who lives in saudi or something like that right or if you speak out against the government you're in for a bad time yeah. um you live in a place like that you've got some serious concerns about the privacy of your emails yeah and well, um i mean it, you know a couple of years ago i was at what was her name masa that's uh, a big iranian um activist right I, I think i told you about her i met her at overdrive um, yeah, you she did. Was talking about the you know, like her whole thing was teaching activists how to be safe online, right? Because if they weren't, they ended up in jail, right? realistically, or they may disappear. Um, and it got to the point like she can't even go back to Iran now, where, where her family is, because of her you know involvement in teaching these activists how to encrypt their hard drives and encrypt their email and and run through proxies and you know, all of the things that we kind of take for granted that we do at times. Um, but, you know, realistically, we're not as concerned with that as somebody that's in, you know, that's under some sort of an oppressive regime, regime, right? Um, so it's like, I can, I can see her having a huge problem with the fact that PGP doesn't work as intended, or, hey, guess what, I recommended that everyone use uh, you know, the, the Thunderbird plugin for GPG. And now all of a sudden it turns out that it's insecure. Was this ever an issue? You know, maybe this is why people were getting arrested or, you know, it, it's just a, it's a, it's a different aspect. Hey, you know, and, and I always, like when I met her and we talked to her, I was like, yeah, what I do is interesting, but realistically it's like, there's not necessarily lives on the line as opposed to, you know, somebody in that situation. So. Yeah, totally. I mean, there is a different threat model, you know, or yeah, I guess you'd say threat model or, you know, set of things you worry about um, that is, you know, that are different from other folks. So I don't want to minimize it completely and say that it's not an important find. It's, it's more of, and I don't think it's necessarily like, it's definitely not mind blowing. It's definitely not, you know, ultra surprising, but it is important that it's fixed. And I think that was, it was at the very least, it was, uh, it's good that it's out there and that, you know, there's some prevention and some stuff you, you as a user can do right away, you know, in terms of disabling your, uh, but you know, here's the thing, like realistically outside of the community, is this making news? I gen genuinely am asking. Cause I, I don't know. Like if I went on, if I went on, let me look. Let's go to CNN. Yeah. See if anything on CNN Tech. That's where I'm gonna go. 
because if you if you look at like Ars Technica or you look at if you look at certain sites, you'll you'll like hack hacker news, whatever, you'll see this stuff. But like I just think things that we believe to be uh da, da, da. Yeah, I don't see anything, right? Like if I search, if you search CNN, all CNN and just type in e-fail, it's not even there, right? I, I mean, I don't think PGP, I think you're right. I, I think, you know, we get all up in arms because we're used to using it or, you know, we know people that do or we're using it, you know, we're using PGP for X, Y, and Z. But the the general public just, you know, it's, it's going to pass them right by. I mean, uh, you know, if I if I mention this to you know friends and family that aren't into the industry, I'm sure they're just like the typical re typical reaction. Their eyes glaze over and they're like, "Oh yeah, okay, something's vulnerable, right?" You're gonna you're gonna get a lot more traction if you talk about the latest breach that uh, you know they're talking about on CNN or you know if their data was leaked. Right? Yeah, I went to MSNBC, searched for PGP, searched for eFail, nothing. Let's go to Fox News. Just kidding. <laughs> JK. <laughs> uh, uh, no, but like it, nobody gives a shit. Like, I mean, we, and okay, I should say that's the point is that people that might need to have this information may not know about this information. So, you know, again, it's like you said, we all get up in arms about it and then the nerds yeah. get upset and then the general public has no idea what's going on. So. I mean, and I think that's true of most industries, right? But um, yeah, whether or not they actually use this sort of stuff, that's that's the question. Right? You know, I have a hard enough time getting people to use secure chat clients or to you know contact me securely. Um, <laughs> I know. Oh man, yeah. You know, whatever you seriously. On the note of totally unrelated to this, have you? I mean, for those of us that actually have to PGP encrypt stuff occasionally and do that with other people it is that are like it's a pain in the ass it always is it's like hey can you send that to me i'm going to send that to you encrypted i'm going to say you're going to send that to me encrypted and it's always a pain in the ass it's it doesn't it never goes well <laughs> yeah it's always oh oh it doesn't look like like i have your public key so can you send that to me <laughs> i'm asking for it in plain text you know somebody intercepts that communication and you know inserts their pgp key in there you know what i mean it's yeah. And then they send it I'm to you like, and it's expired. Oh, yeah, I need and then... to go sign this or check on keybase.io or pull from a secure location. Uh, you know what I mean? Or like find a key for you that is signed by someone that I trust or I trusted at a key signing party. I, yeah. I mean, you, you ask, you know, your wife to do that, right? I, oh, dude, if they actually had a POC running on, we'll say a bunch of email servers, and they were actually receiving people's emails. I swear to God, 70, 75% of them, maybe 80% would just say fucking test or testing if PGP works or whatever. Like it, that's what that would, that would be what it looks like. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Anyways. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. We, uh, yeah. I know we were short. We've only got a 20 more minutes here tonight. We're going short. So, uh, other things to talk about, um, yeah, let's. Uh, We're going to talk about C-Surf, I know, but the the Facebook couple of couple articles, the Facebook one, face uh, Facebook bug bounty C-Surf, and then the one you uh, brought up. Crack. Actually, could you explain the cracking Java RNG for C-Surf one to me, since uh, 
since I didn't get time to read much of it. Yeah. That's my fault. Yeah, Sorry. Um, let's go over it quick. I, uh, like I needed, like, I don't, I don't know if you got it, but my, my, my wife wants us to, or wants me to cut earlier than that. So, um, yeah. Okay. Um, let's, let's talk cracking that and then we'll call it for tonight and then we can get back on later if we need to. Okay. Cool. Um, so I, I'll post this blog uh, or I'll, I'll post this link really quick. Um, realistically, what happened is somebody took an did evaluation on Java server faces CSRF token and how it's being generated, right? Um, and you know, JSF is in it is it is open source software that's Java server faces um, for and it runs something similar to ASP.NET. It uses a view state variable variable for passing information from the client to the server. Um, but it was never intended to be a, uh, a secure source of randomness, right? Um, was never really intended to sign the requests, right? And when we talk about CSRF, I'm talking about cross-site request forgery. Uh, this is a specific attack that allows people to um, hijack sessions or ride on top of already validated sessions to submit forms. Uh, you can go read up on it on OWASP. Uh, those of you that are in the industry understand what CSRF is. And actually this article has a kind of a quick recap on it, how it actually works. Um, but uh, the issue that I wanted to talk about was the fact that the uh, random number generator that, that is being used in this open source software and Java server faces was not the secure random. It was just a, you know, uh, it's just java.util.random that we know does not generate secure random numbers, right? Um, and they went through the whole process of figuring out how to predict what the next random number would be and generate their own view state variables that would be accepted to bypass the cross-site re request forgery protections that were built into Java server faces. Uh, so realistically, that's what's happening. If you read through the blog post, he goes into the Java code that's actually being used to generate the tokens on the by Java server faces. And this is software that's used by lots of uh, kind of pre, uh, enterprise level applications and web applications, right? Um, but, you know, you can even extract things like the seed because you have access to the source code, you can extract the seed that's being used for the token. You can figure out what the next calls are gonna be. You can actually, you know, figure out what the next uh, random numbers are going to be because it isn't secure and generate that, you know, that view state variable so that you can actually execute or submit actions on behalf of someone else or someone that's already logged into the application. Um, so I, like the, the, the reason that I bring this up, I just saw it on Twitter and I thought it was, you know, it was pretty interesting research to dig that deep, but we use a lot of software in our applications nowadays that have to that depend on open source software like Java server faces, like Ruby on Rails, but we don't necessarily understand 
how things are being implemented, right? We're not running that through, you know, static analysis tools. You may be in your organization, but most people aren't. You're not taking that middleware apart to see how it's actually generating those tokens. What we're doing is we're blindly trusting that other people are implementing something properly, right? I mean, we talked about the node uh, vulnerability that happened just recently as well. Um, and all of this has to do with trusting code that we probably shouldn't be trusting, right? So, I mean, that, that's the short rundown that's on it. Um, you know, Ken, you were talking about CSRF in another aspect. Do you wanna, you know, jump into that quick? Well, there was the there was the Facebook bug bounty sea um, surf post, and basically what it was was uh, the well they called it client side sea surf, and the reason was is that JavaScript on the client side was parsing um, the the location piece of the URL. Uh, for those that aren't aware, if you put a you know let's say you have a URL example.com forward slash example pound or hash symbol, uh, whatever that hash and that whatever part that's the, that's eff effectively not going to the server. That's, that's client side accessible via JavaScript. But it, w when you hit that endpoint, you know, the server is only seeing example.com forward slash example. It's not seeing that other part. So, <clears throat> so where it gets interesting is the, uh, uh, client side the client side javascript code was vulnerable in the sense that um it was sort of like it was parsing that location piece to then formulate a request that has a csurf token and what was happening was essentially uh if i'm not mistaken i'd have to look back through but it's uh, effectively like a dom based cross site scripting attack where um you're changing that uh, that location value to point somewhere else. And then in, because that CSERF token is automatically being applied <clears throat> to that request, because it is a function that basically builds a request with a CSERF token, um, then it's sending off the, the request to um, whatever endpoint. And in this case, it was GraphQL endpoints. So effectively, okay. they were able to get GraphQL uh, requests off to GraphQL endpoints. Um, well, sorry, when I say get them, meaning like in a proof of concept, not like attacking users. This was for a bug bounty. So um, they were able to show that they were able to modify the location such that um, it could be sent to somewhere not expected, another GraphQL endpoint with a valid CSERF token, um, and then cool, you're good to go. Like you've CSERFed that person. And what I was going to mention is just that, because um, we were talking about this um, at work, but uh, what it brought up was another interesting point was, so this is the assumption being like the CSERF token that we're talking about. It's just tied to say the user session and it's good as long as the user session is good. And it's one token. And that's, now, a, that's a pretty common way of doing CSERF as well, right? That's uh, That's not a wide stretch, right? That, that, that's a common question that I get when I'm talking or I'm training developers is, hey, you know, this CSERF token, is it okay if I do it per session or do I need to do it per form, right? Right, and <clears throat> this is a good time to bring up a couple places that like a per form CSERF token can uh, protect you. 
So th this would be a good example, right? Um, because a perform CSurf token means that uh, if the CSurf token that's being sent in the request was meant for like, let's say, um, I don't know, a, uh, a create GraphQL endpoint, right? And you're calling, I don't know, an update GraphQL endpoint with that same CSurf token. Well, it's not going to work. A CSurf token is only good for that one particular endpoint. So that's just in this example, a place where that would have helped. But then there's other areas inside of an application where this helps too. Like, um, so for instance, let's say, uh, let's say you've got an endpoint that is, it's lacking author, a proper authorization check. So an administrator can hit this endpoint. They can, an administrator can send a post request to this endpoint, right? And a user can, or shouldn't be, a, a user shouldn't be able to, but they actually can, because there is no authorization on that endpoint. Now, unless there's a view generating a CSERF token, which there wouldn't be, shouldn't be for a user. So meaning a user goes to a page and gets a form where they can hit submit and send a post request off to an endpoint, um, then a CSERF token would be generated, sure. But most often what you'll find is like that view is not necessarily there, but like the endpoint itself is maybe vulnerable. Maybe we forgot to put a filter on there or something like that. Like we being like just developers in general. So it's helpful because what would actually happen is, let's say, I guess what I'm saying is, let's say I'm a user, I know how to craft a request to a uh, endpoint um, or I'm guessing and I send a post request off and it, it should work because there is no filter on there. Well, because I don't have a CSERF token, the request is going to fail. So even though I don't have an authorization check because I don't have that perform CSERF token on that, um, on that endpoint, it's going to fail. Now, if I had a CSERF token that was good just for like, in general, just it's, it's just valid. Like it just says, okay, yeah, this is this person. Uh, the CSERF token is tied to this person. Then like that doesn't help you at all. But if it is just for that specific that perform URL, then yeah, it's going to, it's going to crap out. It's going to say, we didn't generate a token for this endpoint. This isn't the token we generated. Yep. So, and then, you know, the rest authorization may not be there, but you're good. So yeah. a couple and that's, that, that, I mean, that's the recommendation that I take out of that is the, the Facebook, you know, the CSRF in general probably should be, I mean, there, there's some overhead to that, but any form that's super sensitive should have its own token value. And if it doesn't, then there may be ways that you can get around that, right? Like, like, the, like there's other, there's other technology that's in the chain that you may be able to take advantage of. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe we should do a further one, a further, you know, deep in, into this. Um, yeah, and, I could probably and go we off can on at a different one. time. I've got to like, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about this, guys, tonight, but I've, I do have to run. So, um, yeah. Uh, let's, yeah, let, let, let's table that CSRF dis discussion though. Is there any, you know, I mean, we, we've talked about eFail, we've talked about CSRF a little bit and some of the dependency stuff. I know, I know it, it's not feeling like we've finished the discussion, Ken, um, but is there, you know, is, is there anything else that, you know, is, is on the top of your mind before I, you know, I have to run out the door here? Uh, no, just again, that we're going to be taking a break next week. So uh, we'll be back for a pretty long episode the following week uh, yep. with, with yeah, Chris and Gates. Yeah, and I'll, I'll make sure and, you know, set aside time on that one too. So 
you know, we'll have it cleared up and make sure that, you know, we get, we get into, into things with, um, with Chris as we should, right. Um, cause he's got a pretty interesting backstory and we'll want to talk with him about everything. Right. Yeah, definitely. He's got a good, he's got some good thing. He's got some wisdom. So, all cool. right, well, take it easy. Um, yeah. Thanks everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. If you're on, um, I will post things on, you know, post the discussion on absoluteappsec.com. And as always, email us at absoluteappsec at gmail.com. Okay. All right. Thanks everyone. All right. Bye. Thanks, Ken.